Haley, I feel like most of our followers already know that we don't really drink alcohol, but we do love a fun beverage. Oh, we do. Both of us think a fun beverage and a chill night is the epitome of a good time, especially when that drink is a recess mood, which is a delicious sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like mood lifting magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens. So you can relax without the alcohol. I drink mine every night while reading, of course. Tara, tell everyone how you enjoy yours. Honestly, I usually drink mine while we're recording the podcast. (laughs) It's my favorite way to enjoy a recess. And all of our besties can get 15% off the Recess Mood sampler pack at takearecess.com slash GTS. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. But my personal favorite is the grapefruit tangerine. And with only 20 calories and no added sugar, it's the perfect way to chill. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash GTS and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. I don't know what it is, but cowboy boots are magic. Since they've arrived, I've worn my Tacovis boots almost every day. I have the Annie in Midnight. I know you have the Annie in Bone. I do. But they make me feel so powerful because, of course, it is my dream to be a cowgirl. Yes, I know this about you, but I also know <laughs> you've told me that you wear them while you write your book. I do. I wear them all the time because I also wear them when I get dressed up or when I'm sitting at my dress recording the podcast because they make me feel so bold and brave and like I can do anything no matter how I style them. Tacovis has carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality that you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service with boots for men and women handmade from the most premium leathers. And if you dream of being cowgirls like us or you're already Western to your core, Tacovis is the perfect brand to start with because they believe in Western for all. They don't only offer their handmade boots, but all sorts of head-to-toe Western staples. Perfect jeans to go with your boots, pearl snaps, bandanas, and cowboy hats. You name it and they'll get you outfitted. And if you can't make it into a store, Tacovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. So visit tacovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovis has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tacovis.com. Just use the code Gilmore at checkout. That's G-I-L-M-O-R-E. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so they're always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code Gilmore at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovis. Only at tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. Welcome back to Get More to Read. I'm Haley, of course, and I'm so excited for today's episode. I feel like I say that every single time, but I really, really am because whenever I reach out to authors, I always tell them that there's no interest in Gilmore Girls Required, that we just want to talk about their book, but 100% of the time, every single author has gotten back saying that they're a fan, and you never really are quite sure what that means. Like, I feel like even like when you were out in the wild and someone is like, oh, I'm a fan of Gilmore Girls, you're like, okay, well, let me gauge what this is so I don't seem weird when I start like referencing episode titles and very like minute details so like you just kind of want to like gauge where they're at um so that's the same with authors I'm not really sure and of course I am joined by Kata today who writes as K.L. Walther and I think that she is the biggest 
fan of Gilmore Girls in terms of authors that we've had, maybe in terms of guests that we had. She is a very big fan in the same way that you and I are. And I think that she was genuinely the perfect author, not only because she loves Gilmore Girls, but because her books are very swift decoded. So this episode is full of Gilmore Girls conversation, Taylor Swift conversation, and of course talking about her book, which was August Pick for Reading a Sexy, which is what happens after midnight because it was very much inspired by Gilmore Girls and Taylor Swift, of course. But before we get into the conversation that I had with Kata, I want to talk about something that's very exciting for Tara and I. So today is a really big day because tickets go on sale for our first ever live event, Gilmore to say live. It's going to be in New York City on October 30th at City Winery. It's going to be open to all ages. And since, of course, it is Halloween Eve, we are fully leaning into that. And we are going to make this a costume party. So we want you to come dressed as your favorite character from the show. I already have the character that I'm dressing up as picked out. You'll have to wait and see. But it'll be like a live version of the pod with some extra things that we could really only do with an audience with y'all being there. Like I said, tickets go on sale today. You can find out more information about it on our Instagram. But we hope to see y'all there. And by see y'all there, I mean literally we're going to see y'all there. We're so excited because usually we're just talking to each other. And now we get to do it in front of all of you. And it's going to be so much fun. Tara and I are so excited. And we hope that you guys are too. But like I said before, I'm joined today by K.L. Walther. K.L. Walther was born and raised in the rolling hills of Bucks County, Pennsylvania, surrounded by family, dogs, and books. Her childhood was spent traveling the northeastern seaboard to play ice hockey. She attended a boarding school in New Jersey and went on to earn a B.A. in English from the University of Virginia. She is happiest on the beach with a book, cheering for the New York Rangers, or enjoying a rom-com while digging into a big bowl of popcorn and M&Ms. Find her on Instagram at klwalther9 or visit her at klwalther.com. I had so much fun in this episode because we not only talked about Gilmore Girls and Kata's relationship to the show, but we talked about Taylor Swift and we talked about Gilmore Girls characters as they relate to Taylor Swift. We talked about Taylor Swift in her book because if you're familiar with her books, she's of course writing Swifty coded romances and how both of those things inspired what happens after midnight because what we talk about a lot here is that Gilmore Girls was a jumping off point for what happens after midnight, but my favorite thing about it is that it maintains a uniqueness to Kata and her life and storytelling beyond our favorite show to give us a bunch of characters that we absolutely fall in love with in a completely new way. And I hope that you'll enjoy hearing from the New York Times bestselling teen Logan fan, K.L. Walther. I want to make sure it's Kata. That's is that yes. your name? Okay, great. Yes. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure because I was like, I've seen a lot of people call you Katie. And I was like, I know that's not right. No, Katie is my um, Starbucks name just for efficiency. And I used to be a bookseller at Barnes and Noble. And there are just certain regulars. I just didn't want them to know my name. So after a certain one, I marched up to my manager's office and I'm like, where is your label maker, your label maker, Paul? And he's like, over here, why? And I'm like, I would like a new name. And then I told, <laughs> I told him the encounter and he's like, oh my God, what do you want to be named? We need to change it. So I, yeah, I'm Katie at Starbucks and Katie when I would go to Barnes Noble, be at Barnes Noble. But yeah, but it's Kata. It's Kata, yeah. Perfect. Is that why you went with K.L. Walther? Partly, yes. I love the, I love the way my name, my full name looks. But I admit sometimes I judge based on names. So I didn't want people to pick up a book of mine, see the name and be like, I have no idea how to pronounce that and then put it back on the shelf. Yeah. Have you ever done that with a book? 
Not for an author, but for character names, yes. Oh, yeah. I almost put down Akatar because I didn't like how Feyre's name was spelled. And I was like, I don't know if I can do it. But I did. I, I suffered through and got there and it was great. <laughs> I had read Throne of Glass. So I'm like, you know, Sarah, I trust you. I'm going to because I wasn't a huge Feyre. But then, you know, you get on board. Yeah. But when I was a teenager and the selection came out and her name was America, I was like, you're lucky I really like this concept <laughs> because I can't stand this thing. Yeah, like character names can really get you down. Um, but welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you here. Um, I told you this before, but like this was one of the most like excited people have been for a book for the pod for the book club rather. Like I got endless messages of people being like, I am like kicking and screaming while listening to this, like, or while listening or while reading it. Um, there were a lot of people who messaged me like, I was a little disappointed when you picked a YA for the Reading a Sexy Book Club. But then when they started it, they were like, done. Like the amount of people who were like, I went through and found almost every single Swifty reference. They were like, I have to talk to the author to find out if I found them all. <laughs> <laughs> like someone counted, like, I think like 43. Um, because they were just so excited about what happens after midnight. Um, and I feel like that extends as well. I feel like it's been a really big summer for you um, because not only is what happens after midnight a USA Today bestseller, you became a New York Times bestseller this summer with The Summer of Broken Rules, which was my introduction to you, which I feel like is so exciting two years after publishing. It was surreal. I um, came, I drove to my mom's house uh, after work and I sat in her driveway because somebody was calling me and it was my editor. And I genuinely had no idea why she was calling me. Uh, we had, you know, something else in the works. And I was like, I can't talk about this without my agent. Um, so, And of course, that's not what it was about. And then it did click uh, that it was the New York Times. I went into my mother's house sobbing. Yeah. Her first thought was like, oh, my God, did your boyfriend break up with you? <laughs> no. <laughs> even better and, and then I told her like through sobs and you know it was had a big yeah yeah and then like you reached number two is that right I reached number two ah uh, that's it's nuts it's nuts it's well I will say it probably feels nuts after like putting like your heart and soul into a book like this but like if you have not read the summer of broken rules and I know like summer is over we're entering full autumn Gilmore Girl season but it is the perfect beach read because like I feel like beach reads set at the beach are just like at a different level but this one has like so much to it the relationship there's like the sense of like melancholy a little bit in the background that you kind of want from a beach read at least in my opinion and it's like we'll always live on that like top of like perfect beach reads that you should read every summer that's like just the ideal sort of book to read at the beach it's the ultimate compliment that's what I wanted while I was writing it. Um, I always tell people I want to be Emily Henry when I grow up. Uh, she is the pinnacle of a beach read for me. And so With beach read. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. But <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so perfect. Cause that was actually how I got introduced to you. Like you came into my life, my favorite way to find books, which is a friend, like just straight up mailed it to me and said, I mailed this to you because I think that you're going to love it. And I took it out of the package and I was like great and I like sat down right then and like read it all in one sitting because it was just it has like this addictive nature to it where like you just you can't put it down because like 
like I said before, like everyone's saying, like, you're just like giggling the whole time, like feet kicking. And then like, there's like subtle, like little plot twists of things going on, but then it's like the whole family is involved. And it's just, it's so great. I know we're here to talk about what happens after midnight, but that is like, will always be one of my favorite summer books. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you Ruth, so much. It's not quite so nuts that it's on the New York Times bestseller list. Um, but I know that a lot of people missed it because summer is over, but you can still read it in the fall. There's and there's wrong. next summer and the <laughs> yeah. summer after that. Yeah, just reread it every single summer. But speaking of summer, you have had a bit of a wild summer. I feel like your debut novel, it's called Maybe Meant to Be. Maybe Meant to Be, which I'm really excited to read because um, it's like about like a little bit of a squad. Yeah, so um, Maybe Meant to Be was originally published in 2020. Um it had a different title. It was called If We Were Us, and it came out at the height of the pandemic, as in nothing was open, lockdown, bookstores were open, I wasn't going to work. So to say it was a bit of a letdown launch is kind of an understatement. Yeah. So they, my publishers re-released it. We gave it a whole makeover, new cover, new title. Your covers are amazing. I love them so much. I have nothing to do with that, Beyonce. <laughs> I think this should be autumn colors. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's Monique Amy did The Summer of Broken Rules and Maybe Meant to Be and just blows me away every time. They're so good. And then What Happens After Midnight was released in June and was on the USA uh, bestseller list. And then Summer of Broken Rules came back two years later and hit number two on the New York Times bestseller list. But you have also been traveling everywhere. I was so glad that we could grab you. <laughs> I know. I feel like I never go anywhere, but I went to Greece and Italy with my boyfriend for two weeks. And then I had a week to recover before I went to this huge uh, book fair in uh, Brazil. Yeah, that looked so cool. I, I'm going to use the word surreal a lot uh, during this, but it was surreal. This fair takes over the city. I hugged over 100 people. Um, they are so passionate, so kind, so warm. I have so many Taylor Swift friendship bracelets after oh, this amazing. signing. Of course. <laughs> and it's so sweet because I know they, um, you know, code is to trade. But I was kind of like, I don't want to trade because you all made me. Yeah, I want to keep them. And this one girl just saw me hesitate. She's like, no, I don't want one. The, these are for you. They are a gift. I was like, okay, thank you. Thank you so, so much. much. <laughs> That's amazing. Because yeah. I also saw... Okay, I didn't understand what it was, but it was you were like on a list in Brazil, like number six, because I always saw was that you were listed under Harry Potter. <laughs> it was the sixth best selling book of the two week book fair, which is insane. It's I, so I exciting. Know. I know. Because was this for book talk? Is that what it was? Yes, I took. I think it made its comeback through book talk. It was so cool. It was yeah. so much fun because like there there were huge crowds, and I was like, "Wow, look at her go!" <laughs> I know. The other part of this is like because you write very like swifty books, and as you were mentioning, you were getting a lot of friendship bracelets. And before we got on, what we were talking about is like the Venn diagram of like readers and Swifties and Gilmore Girls fans, which is of course what the podcast is about, is almost a circle because people love all three of those things. And you kind of like, especially with what happens after midnight, kind of blend all of those together with like the tropes, but also the song references. And in doing so, 
a lot of people have asked you and a lot of people ask me and the question box that I put up a lot of your Gilmore Girls opinions and you posted on your story like a couple weeks ago you were like I have such Gilmore Girls opinions and I was like yes (laughs) I'm so excited (laughs) I think they're going to be unpopular ones but I do have opinions One of the questions that someone said was just like, tell all of your spiciest opinions. So like that is like a perfect opening because I think the thing about our podcast is like me and my co-hosts, we're on opposing teams. She's team Jess. I'm team Logan. We feel different ways about all of this. People call in all the time yelling at us because we have a voicemail line that like we're wrong (laughs) about things. And it's like, it's so much fun because it's like all fictional and we're all just like so passionate about this thing that is not real, but it feels so real to all of us. So like, even if your opinions are unpopular, people are going to love to hear them. Before we get into the spicy opinions, I want to know what your relationship with the show is, because it's clear from what happens after midnight that it's like very influential in that. But like, did you watch it when it came out on WB, ABC Family, or were you like a Netflix rewatcher? So I was a little young when it came out on the WB. My older cousins watched it. And then oh, I will desire. Let's go with 12. I was 12 when my um, aunt, um, she kind of told my mom like, oh, you know, my girls love Gilmore Girls. I think, you know, Kata is old enough to watch it now. That might be something you guys can do. So she shipped, uh, they had all seven seasons on DVD. So she shipped them to <gasps> from Wisconsin to Pennsylvania. And my mom and I are, we're famously close we we are she is my best friend um so we started watching together and we would you know go into my bedroom and I had you know like the fairy lights around my bed and we would watch an episode and then sometimes an episode would turn into three and then we would get this knock on the door and we really we would you know like pause and then my dad would come in and be like (laughs) what are you guys doing? Like, or I'm starting dinner. Like, what are you doing? And we're like, oh, we're just watching Gilmore Girls. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so yeah. fun. So though. I have a younger sister. She's like, I'm just going to watch it myself. But now it's just constantly on in, in the house. Like, I can totally relate to that. <laughs> my younger sister, she'll like, when she is driving by herself, She'll just plug in her phone and listen to the episodes. It's- like it's like an audiobook or a podcast. Yes. <laughs> no, that's exact. She's exactly the kind of person that I feel like exists in our community of like people who just like watch it endlessly. Like you watched it once and you're like, oh, so this is like my whole personality now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's just something so special about watching it with your mom, too, of course, because like you start to feel a little bit like Lorelai and Rory yeah. and like their connection there. I love that so much. Um, so, of course, the next most important question is what team are you on? I think I know the answer to this, actually. And I think I'm really excited about it. <laughs> you should, I think you do, too. And you should be. Because <laughs> you're Team Logan, right? I am 150 percent Team yes. Logan. Um because I'm a writer, I feel like just I need to say I don't understand the full hatred against Dean because I do think he was at first a good first boyfriend. And it was clear, like intellectually, they weren't going to be compatible. And I thought the show was I don't think they wrote him out the next way, the right, you know, yeah. way. I kind of feel like they didn't know what to do with him. So we had the marriage. And but no, I agree that he was the first person Lori Rory should sleep with. Um, 
he was her first boyfriend or first love. I, I thought that was, I mean, I'm a romantic. I write young adult. I think, I think that was nice, but yeah, in between the great first boyfriend and the losing the virginity we had, there's some, you know, a, a bit of a mess. Yeah. yeah like <laughs> yeah. there's some complaints, but yes, Logan, I'm just going to like swoon over Logan. Yeah. Oh, please. You're in great company to do it. <laughs> I think he's devastatingly handsome. I am just such a I'm such a blonde girl. Did you see he's going to be on the new season of American Horror Story? I did. And yeah. <laughs> I am going to go back to watching it for him. I watched his I didn't watch The Good Wife because that's where he went after Gilmore uh, Girls. Yeah. But I watched The Resident and, you know, it was great. thoroughly, thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed that. Of course. He's aging very well. Yeah, that Matt, that Matt Zucre. <laughs> yes. But now Logan, I mean, come on. He's gorgeous. He is exceedingly bright. Um, he is so witty. And he challenges her. I mean, from talk, my sister is Team Jess. Um, mm -hmm. but she's not anti-Logan, but she is Team Jess. We just kind of uh, you know, argue like all right, well, you know, Jess, like, he's so smart. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Logan is too, and in a more, you know, entertaining way and challenges her. And, you know, he's not broody like Jess. Like, yeah. thinking back, I was just having, my literary agent loves Gilmore Girls too, and she was in Brazil with me. So we're literally in the back of the car, like, ranting about this show. <laughs> I love that. She's also Team Logan. But it's like, Jess, I, I feel like he was being a jerk to Rory, or we, it was, you know, off the page. I didn't, I didn't see enough. Whereas Logan, I, I thought, I thought it was a great relationship. I thought he pushed her and she, you know, he turned, he grew up for her. Yeah. I, yeah, I think so too. And like, it is hard because like Jess was like a teenager versus like Logan was like a little bit older, yes. but like, we also didn't like, like you said, like see a lot of it. Like in season three, we just didn't get a lot of their relationship and what was going no. on. We kind of only got like the drama of it. Um, and then he left and then he, he left. left and then, yeah, he reappears twice and he has, you know, he had, sorry to swear, but he has his shit together and I'm yeah. like, okay, that's oh, feel, great. Feel but free to swear. Okay. He has his shit together, but I'm like, great. But we didn't see any of that. Exactly. Okay, so that is always my thing is like people are like, he has such great character growth. I'm like, but you didn't see it. No, you, you just, just had to, to accept it. Like You I'm, just have to accept it. He could have murdered someone. I, he could have. He totally. <laughs> he he's not going to tell us that. <laughs> no, he, he's not. And whereas Logan, like, yeah, I love seeing the entire regression. And so that is why team team logan i'm i don't want to talk about the reboot because i try to pretend the reboot doesn't exist that's um we feel that way we're not we're not like super fans of it on the podcast but like we do acknowledge it for when we reference the storyline but like we were not big fans especially for team logan uh, but like as a writer i feel like a scene that you really would love is in um I don't know how well you know the episodes, but like in the parties over when it's like that male Yale party and he's giving her feedback on her Life and Death Brigade article. Um, I have seen that episode like fucking <laughs> 50 times. That is one I'm of so my favorite. <laughs> that is one of my yeah. favorite episodes because we have that thrown together 15 minute break lunch with Dean and he's like, you're the writer. I can't critique these things. And then Logan sits down with her later, you know, two days later and is like, I read the piece and then gives her, you know snappy yeah. right on the nose i'm like oh my god this is so perfect 
I couldn't have written this better. <laughs> and not only that is he brings it up to her. Yes. Like, what is, like, better for, like, a writer, a writer's dream than, like, the, like, cute man that you're having a flirtatious relationship with reads your work and comes to you and is, like, loved it. <laughs> so I will tell this very quickly because it's adorable. I went out with a couple of guys and, you know, they ask, they ask what you do, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, I'm, you know a writer and I write young adult fiction, it was always like, oh, that's cool with them. And then that was literally it. And then I started dating my boyfriend um, a year and a half ago and we had gone on several dates and then I got COVID. So I had to cancel our date and then I had to quarantine. He told me he was going out to dinner one night and I was like, okay, where are you going? And he names this steakhouse and we're both, we both love nice steakhouses. So I'm like, that's awesome. And he's like, I'm going alone though. So I'm going to get, uh, bring like a book. And I said, okay. And I knew what he was reading two days prior. So I was like, oh, he's probably finishing that. And then we were going back and forth and he sent me a photo of like his glass of wine. And because this is what we do together, like the wine and then the steak. And then I made some quip about something and he was like, oh, that was a really good line. And I said, oh, it was right there. I'm not that good. And he's like, yeah, I think you are. And then he sent me a picture of the summer of Broken Rules. No. He took himself off on a date with your book? Yes. Kata. <laughs> I know. That's, um, like, you couldn't have written that better. <laughs> I know. I, I kind of, like, I squealed because we had only been on, I think, three dates. Phil. Yeah. Oh, man. And that's one of those things that's like when you write it into a book and you're like, that's so cheesy. That would never happen. Like it's it did. It. <laughs> it totally did. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Yeah. So he's like your own little Logan. He is. He's blonde. <laughs> he went to an Ivy League college. You're like, that's it. There were two checkboxes. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We're moving to San Francisco next year. Yeah. yeah I'm, really? Oh, yeah. my gosh. So you're just living out your Rory Logan plotline. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Are you going to have an avocado tree in the backyard? <laughs> He's half Italian, so I think we'll do like a lemon tree. Oh, but. that's as long as it's something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that so much. I also love that you love the parties over because like when it comes to like you jump by jump jack and the parties over, sometimes I tend to gravitate towards the parties over over you jump by jump jack. I know. I usually do both in a row. So yeah. my, my mother's partial to you jump, I jump Jack. And then I'm like, all right, the party's over. Like, <laughs> I, I always do it like that. And she said, well, no, no. And I'm like, why not? This is a perfect episode. It's a yeah. bookended episode. And she's like, because I hate when Dean shows up and like, so sad, <laughs> so sad. She has a soft spot for Dean. I would, I think she's, she flip-flops between Logan and Jess, but, like, she's a soft spot for Dean as, like, the first boyfriend. Um, so she's like, I I'm leaving the room when, you know, he shows up to Richard and Emily. <laughs> so I'm like, for her. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but that's the best part. I know. Like when Logan comes up to her and he's, like, comforting her and they yeah. go back inside. So I, I love that so much. I do, too. So a lot of the other questions that you got were about kind of relating uh, – Gilmore Girls and Taylor Swift because like I am a firm believer actually the Gilmore Girls would not listen to Taylor Swift that they would be like interesting that they would be like so elitist about it and that they wouldn't like be interested in pop music and it would be like Suki who would listen to it but I still like to talk about it like they would yeah like, what their eras would be um so if you could give Lorelai and Rory 
both like an album era, which one would you give to them? I have to say, though, I don't I agree. I don't think Lorelai would listen to Taylor Swift. Yeah, at, at all. I think there would be plenty of jokes cracked. Yeah, that's like one of the things I'm like, I'm kind of glad that Gilmore Girls wasn't on air when Taylor Swift was so big, because I feel like it would have been a lot of uh, jokes at her expense and I would have had to like pick one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Oh, OK. I have a song for Rory, but. You can do a song. I feel like a song is kind of a little bit of an era. OK. I oh, I just think Champagne Problems is so oh. Rory and Logan. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I'm not the only one because I, that's what I thought when I listened to it and watched Gilmore Girls a little bit after. I'm like, wait a second. But then I went on YouTube and naturally typed Rory Logan Champagne Problems and somebody had made me a video of that. I'm like, perfect. Thank you so much. Or like there's so many TikTok edits to it as well. Yeah. Okay. Lorelai is so hard. Um... Someone, so someone on uh, TikTok recently said that Lorelai was like, they were like 1989 maybe because it's super fun, but then they were like, of course she's Midnight's because it's kind of just like all over the place. Like we've got Maroon where it's a little bit sad, but we've got Bejeweled. Like yeah, we've she's, got, I see her, I see her Midnight Rain sometime in yeah. a way. She's it, also a little sweet nothing when she goes and gets her coffee from Luke. Yes, it. It dep- she's all over the place. But I, I see 1989. Yeah. Yeah, because she's just like a, I don't know, just like endless bops. Yeah. Boyfriends are call- always kind of ending things with her. <laughs> and then, of course, like we can do like a fall montage and have like the best day in the background as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Or I'm only me when I'm with you. Yeah. Perfect ones for the two of them. Um, because, like, I feel like the mother-daughter relationship is, like, I love that, like, you and your mom watch it together. Like, but... Also, I feel like as you're reading what happens after midnight, like it's just kind of like that perfect sort of like segue into that because that's what the book club is because we have two book clubs. One is where you read our follow where we're trying to read more like literary fiction and classics that Rory might read on the show. Um, That's great. Reading is sexy. I wanted to find books because people ask me all the time, like being a reader and having a Gilmore Girls podcast, like what books feel like Gilmore Girls? What books have like these tropes Mm -hmm. or like the setups that could feel the same and how I could like maybe like I didn't like the way the storyline went but if I read a book with the same trope maybe I can like have that like sort of like validation for it and so I read an advanced copy of what happens after midnight back in February before we launched the book club and it was one of those things that I finished it that day and I was like why is this book come out in June (laughs) why does this book not come out right now (laughs) because it's like the perfect segue because we have um a really close mother-daughter relationship and I actually have a lot of feelings about Tag and Lily and how they relate to Gilmore Girls which we can talk about in the spoiler section of this because like I have I have a lot of ideas about where they fit and who which characters they are okay um But it's also set at a boarding school, so it kind of has that, like, Chilton vibe, and she has these really nice friends, and it just, like, it feels like it fits so perfectly because it has, like, that small-town feel because she knows a lot of the professors really intimately in their house, and so it's, like, kind of that towny, perfect sort of thing. Um, So I feel like it was, like, honestly, like, when I read it, I was, like... I hate that we have to wait so long to have this book because I think that the girlies are going to love it so much and they did love it so much. Um, But as far as this book goes, it takes place at the end of May 
because school's getting out. But in the same way that Gilmore Girls takes place all throughout the year, everyone defines it as a fall show. And I would feel like the same for this one because it's got like the school, like I would call this like light academia, like light academia romance is kind of how I would define this. But it's also got that like Latin class murderous group of people. It's there's a, the mystery, there's the clues, um, like the way that it's written of kind of like everything's unfolding, like the cover where they're like running off into the distance from like I the, love the, the building. It's so perfect and it feels like fall. And there's actually something that Bunker Hill says on page 23 when he's talking about the carrot ginger soup that Josh made. He said, at first I thought it sounded a bit too autumnal for late May, but Mr. Bauer here proved me wrong. And I feel like this is kind of like the perfect encapsulation of this book. It's like, it feels like it could be too autumnal for its time, but like, who cares? Like, that's exactly what Gilmore Girl season is about. It's like not about the time that it's taking place, but the vibe of it. So I feel like even if you miss this one over the summer, it's like one of the perfect books leading into fall because like they're graduating, but it just has that vibe. Would you agree or do you think of it as a summer book? I agree. I think the term that was thrown around um, because it's not in the summer, but it's so close is um, edge of summer. But yeah, boarding school to me is fall. I mean, I wrote that you really um, analyzed that line. (laughs) Well, Um, was not hinting at that. And then um, my murderous Latin students, uh, it's, it's a lot of fall to me, but it yeah. needed to be at the end of the school year because I wanted the chapter to be a chapter of their lives to be closing. closing. Which I also kind of feel is like a fall thing as well, even like as the chapter is closing on like their uh, high school years. It's almost like, you know, fall, something new is beginning. And so like it's kind of like the place that you get to at the end. So I feel like it works perfectly. I feel like... um This is like the perfect time for people to pick up this book if you have not um, read it yet with the book club. So if you could tell everyone what What Happens After Midnight is about, how would you describe it? Yeah, so What Happens After Midnight, I've actually been trying to write for a decade. There is, um, it is based on a senior prank my dad actually pulled at boarding school in the 80s. Um, so I did a contemporary version of that, but basically, uh, Lily is a senior at, um, the Ames school, a Rhode Island boarding school. Uh, she lives on campus because her mother is a, you know, very well-liked teacher. And every year there's a senior prank at, but it's May. Nobody's pulled the prank yet. And you can't do it yourself. Only one person does. And he or she or they are known as the jester. Um, nobody knows who the jester is. Only the previous jester knows who the next jester is because they tap them. Um, the jester has the options to um, the option to tap other people to help um, with the prank, but it's um, a cloak and dagger secret. So Lily is very surprised when she is tapped to help with this prank because, for lack of a better phrase, she is a goody two-shoes. She is like Rory. She is kind of sheltered. But she follows orders. She reports to the rally point the night of the prank and finds out who the jester is and things ensue. 
things do ensue. <laughs> I won't say any spoilers, but like the, um, I'm trying so hard not to, um, talk about, try to talk around this book. Um, but the way that like this kind of unfolds is like, it feels like as much as it like is a prank that like they're putting together this mystery for, another student it feels like it's kind of like a mystery is unfolding for us as well which is where that like I think fall feel comes from um but you mentioned that it was a prank that your dad did is the prank the same in the book it is the same in the book so what did I tweak uh so the clues are all on me um my dad never told us any of his clues because they weren't poems they were like go to the tennis courts Oh, okay. Whereas I wrote, yeah, like arrive. I'm instead of a group, uh, he and his friend, they just decided to pull this prank on their third roommate. He was the president oh, wow. of the school. He was in charge of giving out the yearbooks. He was very stressed about it. Um, so one night my dad and his roommate, while the president was asleep, they snuck out, went to the yearbook office, hid the yearbooks. The president realized they were gone, freaked out. And then after a certain amount of time, my dad and his friend posted a note on their dorms bulletin board. And it was something like, if you want the yearbooks back, be at the baseball fields by midnight. Ominous. And then they led him on this whole scavenger hunt across campus. And then the day, the 5 a.m., the president wakes them up and is like, I found them. I found them. You'll never believe where I have been. <laughs> and they played dumb and everyone wanted the culprits to come forward. And they didn't until their really their 10th high school reunion. <gasps> Somebody no said way. was like, OK, guys, for real, like who took the yearbooks? And then my dad and his friend stood up and like, were you know, we are not worthy. And <laughs> it was a complete success. That's amazing. I could never keep a secret like that for 10 years. Like, I feel like five minutes after it happened, it'd be like, it was me. <laughs> I know, exactly. I don't know. They were playing the long game. Or yeah. Something. Oh, that's yeah. amazing, though. Like, way to go, them. That's so, I love that so much. But I do love that what you did with the clues, because when we do get into the spoiler section, I do have a thought about one of the clues, actually, as it relates to Gamora Girls. But like, we'll wait to get there because it was, um, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait. <laughs> um, but something else that I wanted to know is in terms of the name of this book, um, you announced it last fall, very shortly after Midnight's was announced. How far before that had you picked this title? And like, were you like when that album was announced, like, did you freak out? <laughs> oh, my God. We titled it maybe months before. Yeah. And months before and the color palette for the um, book was already set for the cover was already set. And then, um, I did not watch the VMAs. Um, but my agent is a Swifty and texted me and she's like, go on Twitter right now. <laughs> and I'd woken up to that and I'm like, okay. And I went on and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, Taylor, thanks. Like, how could that have been any better? Somebody messaged me. They're like, do you, like, know Taylor Swift? <laughs> and I, I wrote back. Imagine? I wrote back. I'm very sarcastic. I'm like, yeah, we text. Why? And they're like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, it just felt like the the talk about Mastermind. Like, I know. And then just, Mastermind came out and I'm like, 
thank you for writing this for Tag and Lily. It's yeah. really helpful to I know. It just like, I feel like the planets and the fates and all the stars aligned, aligned. Yeah. if you will. Pretty much. Because I, I saw that announced and I was like, wait, there's no way that they didn't have every part of that planned for months before this happened. So I just feel like I should say congratulations. Thank it's you. Like, on behalf of the universe, like that was amazing. Um, but in that same vein is like what someone asked, like how long you'd been a Swifty, but like what made you start writing like romances that specifically reference Taylor Swift lyrics in them? Um, because thank you. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you've stepped up to like do that for all of us because there was a really amazing was it Rolling Stone was the article yeah. where a lot of different authors contributed to it, which Emily Henry was one of the people who was in that and you as well. I know. And so the things that she said about Taylor Swift, I was like, I just love that like writers that I love, like you and her, like just like get that it's like, you know, something that like everyone just feels so deeply about that it's just beyond being like a pop star. Um, so if you want to go read the article, I'll post it on our Instagram so you can go see um, what Kana had to say about it. But um, you're kind of like our Swifty author. <laughs> Yeah. So I make, when I'm brainstorming a book, I make an extensive Spotify playlist just for, you know, to use a popular term for vibes. <laughs> of course. And Taylor Swift just ends up taking up a lot of real estate because she, you know, writes about love. She writes about heartbreak. She's written about, you know, parent mother daughter relationship. She just cover covers it. And she inspired a lot of maybe meant to be. I remember I was pitching maybe meant to be to agents and I said, it's a twisted, you belong with me retelling. Mm. And that's how I've always thought of that book. And then um, for the summer of broken rules, I was, I knew I wanted it to be Martha's Vineyard. I knew it wanted to be summer. So I kind of I dug up a summer playlist of mine and Hey, Steven was on there. And yeah. I think that's, oh, I love that. I think it's an underrated song. I've always loved that song. And I've always had a very specific vision of who this Steven is. And I'm like, you know what? He is the love interest in this book. He, yeah. I'm putting him on the page. So it was meant to have Hey Steven threaded throughout the entire book. And I don't know where I was along the way where I thought, it might be cool to add little Easter eggs in from other songs. Like she does, you know, Easter eggs for us Swifties. So I listened to a lot of um, Fearless and Lover had come out when I was writing the Summer Broken Rules. So those are my two main albums. Which that's like the perfect way to explain the vibes of that book. It's like if Fearless and Lover had a vibe, baby, it's the Summer of Broken Rules. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and at first, this was all just for me to have fun. Yeah. And, and then my cousin was reading um, a, a Word document form of this. And she's like, you know, Swift, she, and she's a Swifty. She's like, you know, Swifties are going to notice all this, right? And I'm like, <laughs> like, really? Like, maybe the Hey Steven, if they like that song. And she's like, no, Kata, you have, I think he knows in there. They will know yeah. <laughs> that that is lover. And yeah, sure enough, Nell was right. Yeah. And then I went absolutely crazy, bullshit crazy, um, batshit crazy for uh, what happens after midnight with the references. Which it's like so perfect because some of them are like they're like straight, like you said, like I think he knows, like so perfect. But there was one in 
WAM, which I think is way more fun of a acronym than um, sober. <laughs> I call it my, so it's so funny. Um, my, we pronounce, um, we call it tea sober. Oh, okay. Yeah. Love like that. Tea swizzle, tea sober. I'm like so cute. So oh, fun. perfect. Yeah. I love it. But there was one that was about like roses dying. So it was like a little bit more like subtle. So like, I feel like when people like they come out and like underline all of them, there's like the last great American dynasty, um, that it's like, you all, you have to like look into like the, you know, the context of it too. Like, it's not just like the ones that are straight out there, which I think is so much fun because I don't, you probably don't remember this, but like I went through and like, I underlined all of them and I told my friends, I was like, is this real? Like, it's a, is this accidental? This can't be accidental. She's like, just message the author. <laughs> so like our first like message on Instagram, I was like, is this real? <laughs> and you were like, yes. And I was like, I'm obsessed. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I was much more because I was doing it on purpose and wham rather than um, the summer of broken rules. It was a little more like, let's, you know, this is cute. Let's see if it works. Yeah. Wham. I was like, I'm going to do it like this. And I'm going to do it like this. And then the strategy kind of was varied more. I mean, I took, there's a getaway car in there and it, oh, I love it was that. them in the golf <laughs> cart. I'm like, I'm not even going to like overtly write any getaway car stuff. I just want people to pick up that it's, you know, it's getaway car and yeah. who knows if that landed or not, but it did. For me, at least, because okay. <laughs> it's like you, you like read it and then you take a second and you're like, wait, that's exactly what that's, that's exactly what the song says. But it's like not like word for word, but it's like the essence of it is there, which I I love how it's like equal parts. Like that's what I was saying before, like the essence of it and like the kind of like line from the song that feels very familiar. Um, and I think that it's kind of like people love the they love the hunt. They love like going in through. I feel like out of my purple pin to match the cover, going through, underlining them as I went. And it's just like some, it's like a fun way to like, uh, I feel like a different way to read a book and annotate a book because it's like taking something that you like super, super love mm -hmm. and, you know, getting something else that you super, super love and getting to blend them. Because in this one, you also have a couple of Gilmore Girls references because there's a Gilmore Lane um, on yes. school. And I was like, is it Gilmore comma Lane? Like, <laughs> late, Lane's coming back? <laughs> That's for you to decide. So I loved that. I love that one so much. But, like, the setup, too, is that, like, we have this mother and daughter who hate coffee, um, which I love so much. And the mother's um, boyfriend works at the on-campus diner um, and he just is bored by their antics. <laughs> and it's a little bit of a health nut, which like I love like just like how you can take like something very familiar and then change it completely into what it was. The other question I had is, did you go to boarding school? I did, yes. Not the same one as my father, but I, I did. So. I ha he has his um, memory, whole host of memories, and then I have mine. So because he had told so many stories, um, I like I have, you know, this whole treasury of both. Feels like it's like you feel like you're there, like the yes. ambiance and like the atmosphere, the environmental world building, if you will, that you created here feels so real. I've never been to boarding school, but I was like, I think I did. I think I just went for a little while. Um, so it was like very clear that there was some sort of um, tie there. So I had wondered if you had been. Um, and then I mentioned before that this is like classified as a YA, but I when I first like mentioned that we were reading this book, I called it an older YA because like they are teenagers, but like I wouldn't call it so purely like 
young adult because there are like I guess like mature themes because they like fade to black there's like sex referenced but they're not doing it on page which I think is like appropriate for their age range but it's definitely there and I love how the mom is like only if you're only with someone you love like she's very aware of the fact that like this could be a possibility um so do you feel like that's something because I know other people have mentioned it being like new adult but I feel like new adult like might need like just like one more year like I think Summer of Broken Rules maybe is new adult because they're just out of high school and like going into college what do you think about that yeah so all of my books are really categorized like 14 to 18 and um shelved as um young adult uh so the reason I don't have I know a lot of people want me to write open door scenes the reason I don't is be I don't is because it's young adult yeah I can only go so far and I choose to fade to black is really as far as I can go. Yeah. But I do like to kind of push the envelope with my and write older teenagers. Yeah. Because that's what I can. I started writing when my sister was an older teenager. I of my teenage years, I preferred my later years. I don't think you would want a book about a 15 year old or a 16 year old by me I didn't love those years so <laughs> she'd just be so sad <laughs> yeah or just immature and and I like an an older voice I go shoot for an older voice so it's like has a self-reflectiveness to it that I feel like a 15 year old is not maybe necessarily gonna have um but it also like cuts in half like that feeling of Gilmore Girls of like you know like you kind of get to follow like a Rory storyline and so like I think that's the thing is a lot of people are like you picked a YA and I was like just wait just wait you're gonna like it (laughs) don't worry But we are at the point where I am going to switch over to spoiler because I keep looking at some of the questions that I have here and I'm like, I don't know how to ask that without giving an answer. So if you are listening and you have not read and you do want to read, please pause and then come back and listen to the rest of it after you've read it or if you just want to zoom along or you're part of the book club, we're going to get into some spoilery type questions now. Um, So when I first was describing this book. I liked, I like knowing that you are a bit of a Dean, um, not apologist, but like a Dean, you, you have a fondness for Dean that maybe a lot of people I, don't. I sympathize. I, yeah. Yeah. And so when I first was classifying this book, I was trying to like do like a character comparison of like Tag and Lily. And I was like, it's kind of like Dean and Rory. Cause it's like her first relationship. They have a second chance. Cause like the whole thing is like Tag, her ex-boyfriend is the jester, but like she's had to watch him be in his other relationship. And so now she's going on this like nighttime crusade with her ex who she still has strong feelings for. And so I was like, this feels so Dean, like they're young, but the deeper that I got into tag, I was like, this feels like an overlap of Logan and Dean. And also knowing how like team Logan you are, I was like, it feels like if Logan was in that spot, that's kind of more of where I started to get to. Cause I was like, oh my God, if she hates Dean and I make a Dean comparison, I need to apologize. <laughs> But like, I feel like it's like the further I got into it, because I've I've read it three times so far, because I read the first one it came out. I read it once over the summer when the physical copy came and then I refreshed last week so that I could be like primed for conversation with you, who's like the expert, the god of this book, if you will. Um, And that's what I was realizing in this last reread. I was like, this is more Logan. You should see my face right now, everyone. It's like a (laughs) shit eating grin. (laughs) 
especially because you love them so much. And specifically, the way that I wanted to like do this was like through the clues, because when we get to the clue about Tag and Blair, um, I was like, Tag, why would you make, why would you, and he's like, don't read this. Like he was like trying so hard, but she read it anyways. And it was about like where they would like hook up and that's kind of like where they were supposed to be going and at first I was like tag why would you do this like how could you do this to us I was rooting for you I love you so much like what is going on um but then the way that they have this conversation about it I was like oh so this is like healthy communication now because he was like this is not what's happened but it felt a little bit like your version of averting the bridesmaids incident that they have in season six because he's like hey this is not where this takes place we did do that someplace else, but I'm not going to take you there. And I just wanted you to know. And she's like, oh, cool. And it was like this healthy version that these teenagers had that like adults couldn't have on Gilmore Girls. I did not dig as far as the Bridesmaids episode, but yes, I wanted Tag to be, you know, kind of your great kind of dorky, like first, you know, perfect boyfriend. Yeah. But I knew I wanted to transform him in some way. And I am team Logan for all of the reasons I discussed. And I love the Rory Logan dynamic. And so that is who I, you know, have transformed tag into, or at least my, you know, Logan inspired senior tag. Yeah, of course. Because then the, like, idea of, like, his relationship with his parents as well, where, like, he is trying really hard, but they're not really seeing it or not communicating it with him. They're, like, caring about everything around it, but not actually how he's feeling. Um, and it's kind of, like, was this, like, cathartic sort of thing, because, like, Lorelai in the show acts as, like, kind of a pseudo-parent to a lot of, like, Rory's um, significant others and Rory's friends, and you always kind of wanted that for Logan, and you get kind of, like, that's what I mean of, like, finding in a book those places where you wished the show would have picked up, and, like, the way that her mom, like, kind of, like, takes tag and, like, really defends him, her and Josh both. Like, they go to bat for him when he gets punished. Well, it's one of the things that bothered me in the show a lot. It's, like, I have a whole, I have a lot of issues with Lorelai. I love her. I love her, but I have a lot of issues. I just, I was like, can you just sit, like go out to dinner with Logan? I feel like you two have so much to talk about. You had such similar upbringings and he is having just things I think you could offer great advice on. So yeah, yes, that is kind of why I gave, you know, tag such a special relationship with Lita, Lily's mom. Right. And I just feel like that was so perfect because like I, I was this whole time I was like, oh, it's Dean. It's her first boyfriend. But like when you're like digging into it a lot deeper, I loved it. Um, Did you think that his punishment for this was like harsh or do you feel like it was like deserved? So I went to a t- I went to boarding school. So I heard about a ton of punishments, not revealing any, you know, names or anything that is a that was one a punishment I heard really when I was a freshman a senior was punished that way yeah and did you feel like it was harsh then when you were a freshman or you were like they did something wrong they did something bad (laughs) some people thought it was harsh but also because of who this person was they thought oh well the school just doesn't want to lose money from this person's parents 
Got it. That makes sense. <laughs> and there's a, there's a lot of eccentricities in politics in um, boarding school, as you know, you can read about in other um, books and online. But yeah, of course. No, that makes total sense. And as we're talking about this, I'm definitely like relating it to Gilmore Girls because that's kind of like our source material as much as like yours is the book. But did you think about that, that like overlappingly, like did you get that much inspiration or like how do you see the characters fitting in based after hearing, I guess, how I thought the characters were um, comparisons, I guess. I mean, now I think I didn't think about it in a Gilmore Girls lens when I was writing The Punishment. Like I didn't think, oh, well, you know. The Swell family are the Huntsbergers, so why would right. they kick, you know, you know, Logan out? And um, no, I didn't think about it like that. I knew I did not want Tag to get kicked out, um, and I knew I wanted Lita, Lily's mom, to make a grand gesture for him that you know, Lorelai never ever made for Logan, right. But then if you do see it as, oh, like, well, they're taking it easy on him, I guess you do then see the um, stealing the boat, shall we yeah. say, where <laughs> Logan com got completely, um, you know, scot-free. In a broader sense, like when you're writing it, do you kind of see, did you see Lita as Lorelai and kind of like lean into that? Or was that more of like after the fact, like after you're writing, you're like, oh, this is more similar than I thought? It's so funny because I pitched Lee, um, I pitched Lita and Lily to my editor as um, Lorelai and Rory, and then I, um, I saw them as Lori, Rory and Rory half the time, and then the rest of the, half the time I saw them as my mother and me. Really? Yes. Oh, I love that. So, you know, at the beginning in the opening scene when they're, you know, breakfast and the Lululemon leggings and the coffee, it's totally, um, or the diner, Lorelai and Rory. But then when they're doing their stakeout later, when they know Daniel's on the scavenger hunt, that is 100% my mother and me. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Because that's what I was going to ask you is like, you have such a strong relationship with your mom, but like you have this strong relationship to a show about a mother and daughter. Um and I love, I love that you can kind of see them both. Is there other parts where it's like definitively like you and your mom? The very open communication. I mean, like Lorelai and Rory, that's me and my mom. Um, I do think that they became their own characters at a certain yeah. point, though. When Lita calls Lily to her office and is like, we need to talk. I think that's 100% them. Yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't really see Lorelai being like, okay, we need to talk, cut the bullshit. Like, yeah. As much as like they were inspired by those two things, yes. you could, they totally become characters unto themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that you could compare Lily to Rory up to a certain extent, but I think that Lily is like, she seems like a little bit more like adventurous and she is maybe a little bit more communicative about her feelings. I think she maybe feels a little bit deeper. Um, I think that there's so much to her that like, if you do like Rory, the jumping off point is like perfect. But like when you dive into this character, Character, I think you can get lost in her completely as Lily Hopper, completely separated from Rory. And I think that's what I love so much about the book club is like you go into it with the intention of like reading this thing that you are familiar with and fall in love with completely different people. Um, 
Because I feel like tag is like a little bit of all of them, which I love that it's not like anyone is a carbon copy of, because like I'm sure people would love that to some extent, but like at the same time, it ends up, it can be kind of boring. Yeah. It's boring for everyone. It's boring for me as a writer just to constantly think, okay, how would Logan do this? Or how would Jess do this? Or how would, you know, Lorelai do this? But Yes, I love your point about Rory being the jumping off point because that's very much what she was for Lily. I always say my favorite season of Gilmore Girls is season five because I really yeah, think it's me when, too. I think it's when Lord Rory comes into her own at college and starts living. She gets kind I mean, of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I was not a big partier or drinker in college. <laughs> me neither. But... In season four, when she, you know, would decline like a drink, I'm like, oh, come on, Rory. <laughs> Just live a little. Fun, live a little. Yeah. And I'm not saying Logan helped her, but he kind of unlocked something. We had an episode last summer with um, uh, Claire and herself. She's a TikTok creator, and she's a really big Logan fan. And she talks about how he helped her to, like, live in like the time that she was in in her life like helped her to be a college student and yeah. brought her out of herself out of being a little bit more sheltered and I would say tag kind of serves that purpose too like I think that Lily in the time of their breakup probably went to like a little bit more inside of herself um focused on school just like not a bad thing to do but like coming out and like tag making sure that she was a part of the jester squad um the jestie I don't I don't know if we had any like a name for them fools that's what I call the fools that's what it was yeah she was a fool and like she never expected to be but when she did she was like okay I'm gonna do this um and I love that and I don't know that Rory would have done that I don't I don't know so I think that's why I love it but um going off like on the jumping off points um it feels really weird to say this but like I love that like as a plot device uh tags is diabetic because it creates this like tension and almost this need for like Lily to save him a little bit, but it's very like personal to him. And like, especially the way that, um, uh, Daniel dealt with it. Like, God, I hate Daniel. Yeah. Like, oh, when you like, this is like revenge at Daniel. You're kind of like in Lily's camp where you're like, you know, like, why are we picking on him? And then yep. you learn everything he did and we're like, yeah, we're picking on him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I love what it does to, like, bring the two of them together. But, like, do you have any experience with that? It's like, what made you, I guess, write that into that character? Because it's the way that it unfolds is perfect. Yeah. So um, I am – I have a chronic illness. I am epileptic. But I think that is for another um, book yeah. in the future. Um, a dear friend of mine is diabetic. Um, one of my cousins is diabetic. And I was talking to my friend and we don't see epilepsy or diabetes on the, you know, metaphorical bookshelf yeah. at, at all. I decided that diabetes was right for this um, story. So I, you know, had very lengthy talks with my friend on how best to present it. And we wanted it to be personal, but we wanted it to be just a part of tag. We didn't want it to yeah. be this entire character. So I worked really hard on that. I'm very happy with how it ended up. And I've gotten some very, very warm messages um, in response to that about how people see themselves in tag now. I love that so much, especially like it's like because like I have a chronic illness as well. And it's like with 
the way that like Tag deals with it, it's like it's just part of him. Like I think if it became his whole character, it would definitely be from the perspective of someone who doesn't deal with anything like that on their in a daily basis. That like for that to be their only like characteristic, it'd be like honestly really depressing for anyone yeah. who like goes through anything like that. Um, but I love the way that it creates tension between the two of them because I think between like that like between teenagers it's kind of hard to create something that's like authentically tense that's not like a misunderstanding and so to have this something that's like so personal to him that he uh that like Lily knows how to take care of him but like you know like he's like no I'm all good and then they like maybe figure it out but then this is why they end up having to like like get caught like it's like do or do or die is kind of what it feels like for him like literally um so I loved that that was like an element of it and it wasn't like anything that like was overly explained but it's just like that's what he was dealing with and I loved that it was also like the reason that we hated Daniel because like there was no coming back from that (laughs) yeah Daniel was so hard because you didn't want to make him an outright you know douchebag because I didn't want people to you know be like Lily what the fuck why are you hanging out with him and then throw the book across the room so yeah that definitely took a few a lot of massaging for to be like oh like I understand why she you know chats with him but you know I'm very pleased with how it worked out but I it was challenging no I imagine because like you want to get it right because especially if it's not something that you deal with personally you want to make sure that the people who do are like seeing themselves in a way that doesn't feel like pandering or doesn't feel like you're like uh like infantilizing them in any way through this thing but like I feel like you did a really good job and I think that that's like definitely something that we need to see more of in um especially YA novels because I feel like it's kind of like a lot of people's first you know introduction to romance and like those sort of feelings and if you can like see yourself more fully Mm -hmm. um that's always um that's always what you want um like complete shift someone's question was is your karaoke song rather the story of us (laughs) it is not but yeah but good choice (laughs) i thank you i I thought it was i thought it was fitting um Geez, what would my karaoke song be? It doesn't even have to be Taylor. I know. what. Mm. It would be Taylor, though, because honestly, yeah. that's, all I, that's all I listen to. I do know Hey Steven pretty well, though. Now, I listen to that a lot, a lot, a lot. And then I recently turned something in and I listened to Cruel Summer an embarrassing amount of times to make sure I got a certain scene. Right. So I I can, you know, I can really nail the bridge on Cruel Summer now. Oh my gosh. I know you went to the Eras tour not to like completely diverge, but like was that not the best part? The best way to start the show was like Honestly, I lost it during the intro music. Uh, For sure. Yeah. Um, I can relate. <laughs> my fully crying. My friend, he took photos of me. I look like a maniac. Um <laughs> but I, I'm Oh, it was just amazing. And yes, yeah. I, I just was on my feet and dancing and singing my heart out for three hours in high heels. It, it, yeah, nothing's better. Nothing's better. But I just like when she like started with that, like I was like, yeah, that's what we've all needed the past couple of years. I know. all come together and scream the national anthem with, you know, the president of our fan club. Yes. Because um, <laughs> it was just perfect. It was the perfect opener. 100%. Um, someone else asked if because they love Tag and Lily so much, which I agree. Um, is there an 
a world in which you would write them into a new adult or a college like sequel where we see them a little older. <laughs> I love that they love them so much because well, I get Wit and Meredith from the Summer of Broken Rules have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of fans. And I adore them fiercely, but I'm also like, but Tag and Lily. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I purposely left it open-ended. Um, mm. Whether it's just me releasing a short story on the website or writing another book and they appear in it. I didn't want to tie it up um, with a bow just in the interest of the future. Yeah, to keep your options open. Mm -hmm. I would love to read a short story. I'd also love to read a second novel. Whatever you decide <laughs> and that beautiful little brain of yours <laughs> is right, I will be here for it. Um, but on that same note, someone asked if they're like from like a fresh character, is there a world in which you would write a series like just like with the intention from the beginning, moving forward and watching people's lives unfold a little bit longer. I would like to, I mean, the characters from my first book may be meant to be. I wrote two manuscripts after that featuring really? them before the book sold. And as a writer, you should not start writing a series until the first book sells and you know that you will be allowed to write a series because Yes, for very valid reasons, I presented my editor with the second boarding school book I'd written for Maybe Meant to Be, and she said no. Um, All right, then. <laughs> and, I mean, again, she had was very kind, but everything was very valid. But, yes, it did break my heart a little. Yeah. Um, so those characters, for instance, I know how exactly how their entire life hands out isn't that so hard though because you're like I know everything about them and I would like to share it with you but like is this just going to be for me I know it has to be for me it's on the laptop in the locked folder no but I've told some people I love cameoing my characters in different books I think they're all part of the same universe the four people in maybe meant to be they all appear in the summer of broken rules um there are two cameos from the summer of broken rules in wham and oh because um oh, what is her name her friend Pravika um, Pravika yes she's in Summer Broken Rules yes and um Aunt Rachel is Lily's physics teacher but oh I didn't catch that Mrs. Epstein Fox yeah see oh my gosh yes of course Mary the Fox like duh I should have caught on to that but no I I made them subtle um some yeah. some people ask they're like why aren't Wit and Meredith in this book and I kindly had to say I was like they've graduated high school they're, <laughs> they're not, not in going school. to be at a boarding school <laughs> but my next book I, I think people will be pleased with two familiar faces so Ooh, I I love that you're creating a K.L. Walther universe where they all exist. It's it feels fun. like your own Easter eggs to throw in there. I love that so much because I know that um, Emily Henry does that with her books, mm -hmm. too. And it's just like something that's like you fall in love with these characters and like you kind of get to see them for a second. And yes. Like, I love that. <laughs> I need to, I need you to just write like what happens in like their day to day life. I know, just like follow them to the grocery store. <laughs> Someone just said hi. That was their that was their full question. They just said hi, K.L., which I love well, that hello. they called 
<laughs> um, but someone just said adult novels, please. Um, do you have any plans to go beyond YA? I do have plans. I do have some ideas. They are in a notebook right now. Okay. But uh, they're there. Uh, there's only so much time in a day. Yeah. Especially when you have deadlines to work with. Yes. I have a lot of deadlines right now. Um, there is a character from Maybe Meant to Be my first book. Um, my agent and I have been talking about her happily ever after for mm. years now. And um, I really hope to get it would be an adult novel. And I really hope to get to it relatively soon. I think that that's also such like an interesting idea in terms of like all of the like, you know, like ideas you have about the book and about these people is to like see one of them in the future and get to use all of that like extra knowledge that you have about them to like surround her world. I would love that. I'm really excited to read your first one, especially because it's like still that same sort of setting. It feels like it could be a little bit fall-ish, even if it's not like I just... It starts in the fall. Yes. It, it's a school. It's a school year. Yeah. I'm just excited to more, get more Kata. But back to Taylor Swift. Someone wanted to know what your big three are. Well, all too well, the 10 minute version. Of course. Um, you can do songs or albums. They didn't specify. Oh, OK. Well, we'll do albums first. OK. Um, I am a huge national fan. I have loved them for years. So I have to pick folklore. It was kind of dream dream collaboration yeah and you know one I never would have thought of but yeah like but she God. she knew what we needed <laughs> she did Aaron Dustner I love you so much um so folklore uh I'm a speak now girl in enchanted I want to like walk down the aisle at, um at my wedding to like an instrumental enchanted <laughs> Which I feel like your cover is like, it's like, you know, Midnight's, but it's purple. And so then immediately went to Speak Now era. Um, um, and then I Can See You, like that came out after what happens after Midnight. I've seen a lot of TikTok yes. edits to that. And I'm like, I this is beautiful. I love this. Before we got on, I was scrolling through some of the aesthetic edits of um, What Happens After Midnight with like Lily and Tag. And like, they're beautiful. People They're are making gorgeous. some incredible ones. I was like, I want to be here. I want to be in this world. Like, I feel like it's like the perfect sort of introduction that people have done to like, you know, if you read this book, it's this vibe. And like, I think that those are some of my favorite ones. I'm like, this is perfect. This is the vibe you want. Yeah, they're beautiful. So folklore speak now. And then uh, I don't know. I've been listening to Midnight since it came out. Like, yeah, honestly, my pump up song is Bejeweled. So of course, <laughs> do you do the fingers? Yes, of course I do the fingers. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I after Thank my <laughs> after my signing in Brazil, um, my agent and I were very good friends. She's a huge Swifty. I had all the friendship bracelets on and this huge statement ring. And I just did this in front of her. And she's like, yes, you're very bejeweled. <laughs> I love that so yeah. much. That, no, that's – sorry, that's amazing. Of course I do the fingers. Like, that was the right answer to that. Um, um, no, I feel like Midnight's quickly became my favorite. Like, it's like the first listen, I was like, okay, this is my new favorite Taylor Swift album. Like, I just didn't – I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> there was oh, – which song was it? Okay, I wasn't a fan of Karma at first, and then she closed the tour with that. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? This is 
fantastic song. And now it's been, it's honestly been on repeat since it came out. Me and Midnight Rain are like BFFs. That's, that one's also, my favorite. <laughs> it's so good. Um, in that vein, I guess someone asked, what inspires you beyond Gilmore Girls and Taylor Swift? Because it's very clear that those have big impacts, but we're beyond that. It's okay if it's nothing, because <laughs> that's sometimes <laughs> the truth for me. <laughs> um, my friends, family, our relationships, um, places I love. So Martha's Vineyard is my happy place. Um, and my next book, My Childhood Home, inspired part of it. Um, and then my family and I, we are huge movie buffs. We watch a lot of movies. Wait, I have to ask you, you referenced Titanic in this, right? Yes. When, when he says like, make it count. (laughs) That's like my favorite movie. And when you said that, I was like, she likes Titanic. (laughs) I did. And I think I did the like tag sets, like draw me like one of your Spanish girls. And yes, that was the other. It's French girls. Yeah. That's something that, like, I love so much about your books beyond just, like, you know, the common references is, like, family is such a big theme, like, especially in The Summer of Broken Rules. But also, like, I love how you kind of redefined it with uh, what happens after midnight is because, like, it takes it smaller and just the two of them. And, like, Josh is there, too, but, like, they're a two-person family, a two-person team. And so to go from this, like, huge, massive family who, like, comes here every year and, like you say like is inspired by your family, especially with, like on your Instagram story, you've posted pictures that like yes. of like inspiration spots of like how like your vacation in life have impacted that. But I love how you then take it so much smaller on the other end of the spectrum to just these two women, a woman and a girl, if you will, who just kind of grew up in this house and made do with just the two of them against the world. I love how you take that and Um, I'm excited to see where that ends up in your next one, because I think that that's so like if you are developing like a style in like your third book now, I feel like it's so like um, just like family focused, like even if it's like a romance, it's just so like that. I would say that's like definitely a K.O. Walther theme that is quickly becoming one that I love so much. Yeah, it's so funny. I realized the other day I'm working on something and um, I said Every single one of your books, the opening scene has the parents in it or the parent. And I just think the parent-child relationship is so important, especially in that age. I think some YAs I've read, I think, you know, the parents are kind of cardboard cutouts. And I don't particularly like that. And I've made it a goal of mine for it to never seem like that. Because like, that's so influential, whether they're absent or whether they're like very present in your life or whether you're best friends with them or they're super strict and you can't stand them. It's so important that like that changes constantly because like you're right. I've read so many YA novels where it's just like they're kind of just like an inserted character who like, you know, make dinner. <laughs> yes. And like don't have much beyond that. But that's not that's not I feel like realistic for most people. No. And I know like. Uh, with young adult, the uh, word count, um, the length of the book is very um, standard. Um, so, I mean, I had to cut so many words and scenes from my first book because it was too long. I know other authors have had to do the same thing. So, you know, nothing is perfect. And But yes, I, I parents, family, that's always a goal of mine to have that shine. Yeah. And you do it so well. 
It's so yeah. good. I I love your books so much. If anyone is still like listening from, they have never read your books. I just feel like if you like family scenes and you like Taylor Swift and you just like romance that just makes you feel so good and excited for these people that you're like, you know, falling in love beside. Because one of my friends recently was talking about like in romance, sometimes it feels like you're in a romance and other times you kind of feel like a voyeur between these two people who have this like connection that's just something you want to be a part of. And I feel like your books fall more in that direction of like two people who are just figuring out this thing between them rather than like feeling like you're reading a romance, um, which I love so much. And in that vein, I want to know, people were wondering what we can look forward to discovering in your next novel, if you can talk about it. Um, there's anything you can give us, little crumbs we love. I will say there is a draft written and turned in. It has not been edited yet, but it I've typed the end. It's another Swifty book. The song that inspired it is Speak Now. Um, It's set in Pennsylvania. I grew up in this beautiful farmhouse um, with a barn, lots of acreage. And so that's where this family I've created. um, They're one of my absolute favorites. They live there. um, They go to a lot of uh, places that were uh, special to me in childhood and uh, it's also based on I was a bridesmaid in my best friend's wedding last October. And so I, you know, put my bridesmaid experience in there. Um, this is a very roundabout way of saying, basically, this um, high schooler, Madeline, her beloved older brother, Austin, is um, he's gotten engaged to this uh, girl that Madeline does not like very much. Um, so is she going to stop the wedding? Is she not going to stop the wedding? But a lot, she's asked to be a bridesmaid. She begrudgingly says yes for her brother. And she also has not dated very much. And the bridesmaids who are all in their older twenties, one of them is very familiar. They are like, you need to start dating. You need to get out there. So we have a little, little bachelorette inspired thing. Ooh, going on. Sounds ex- exciting. I love I there's nothing I love like a wedding backdrop though cuz like that was a summer of broken rules. Oh, so, I like, do too. I do. Like there's <laughs> there's just something about it. So like I'm thrilled to read that one. I I had a great time writing it. But it's still on the it's still in the works, but we can look forward to it. Is there a timeline? Should we just sit patiently like we we, we can do. <laughs> it's going to be summer 2025, which I know is a long time. Seems like a long time away. I have something also special coming in 2025, which hasn't been announced yet. But this this is my accountability thing. I will have a short something for you guys in 2024. Okay. It's something a lot of people have been asking about. Ooh, I'm intrigued. Um, I'm excited. <laughs> summer of Broken Rules themed. Oh, if it's anything to do with Meredith and Wit, I'm there. First in line. Oh. <laughs> I love the two of them so much. Yes, they will have something to say this summer. Ooh, okay. We're gonna. I'm gonna write it in my 
my calendar. calendar. I feel like so <laughs> I feel like so many good things are coming out this summer. So like I feel like just to add you to that big beautiful list is amazing. But thank you so much for coming on and talking about Wham. I feel like there is like so many people who don't know about you who maybe now will have a new favorite author knowing how deeply of a Swifty you are, not to mention how deeply you love Gilmore Girls because I know a lot of people come on and they say that they're fans and like they can have a conversation about some of the plot lines but you know (laughs) you know like exact scenes you talk about it exactly the way that we talk it on the podcast so like it couldn't have been like better it was like such a surprise for me because I knew you liked it but I did not realize to the extent so like that was like the biggest best surprise that we could have had on the podcast and I'm so glad that you got to come on today of course I write all day and then have dinner and then I'm like okay I'm gonna need a point and watch Gilmore Girls like that is that is me so you're absolutely one of us if people want to find you on socials where can they find you i'm mostly on instagram it's at klwalther9 great and we'll tag you on our socials so that people can go and find you and follow along for maybe future updates on this uh summer of broken rules that is dropping next summer all right well thank you so much for having me Thank you so much for joining us. It's so much fun. Or me, I guess. I always say us, but it's always just me. (laughs) At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.